Welcome to the Performance Connection Podcast, the show where we connect you to the highest quality information and leading professionals in the world of human performance. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Performance Connection Podcast. Today we have Sean Casey on the podcast. Sean, how are you? Hey, I'm doing very well, Corey. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. I actually think this is a very fitting first episode with a guest because uh so for the listeners, Sean, Sean and I have spent a inordinate amount of time in a car together. <laughs> and that's so going down to uh International Society of Sports Nutrition Conferences road trip in that. So I'm very happy to have my my good friend Sean as the uh first guest for the podcast. So Sean Go ahead and give the listener your background and what you've been doing so far in your life as a professional. Definitely. So um, I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I originally went to school to be going to like sports medicine. I was thinking like physical therapy. Uh, and then I job shadowed over the course of the summer. I realized the only time I enjoyed it was when an athlete came and that was hurt. I'm like, man, this is really bass afterwards. I'm excited because an athlete is hurt. What is wrong with me? <laughs> And that's when I kind of realized, like, hey, the best way to rehab an injury is to prevent that injury from ever happening in the first place. Um, so that right. was then where I switched from more of that sports medicine into more of being, you know, physical preparation coach. Um, I also set the goal at age 20. I wanted to be the youngest strength conditioning coach in the NFL. And I also had the goal of attending the Olympics, watch athletes I work with compete. Um, I realized that was kind of pretty competitive. So that's when I also de decided to pick up a dietetics degree to go along with my degree in kinesiology. Um, I was fortunate right after uh, school, I had the opportunity to work um, with a fair amount of elite level athletes, uh, NFL. I had some time with uh, Los Angeles working with MLS teams. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I was with a company called Athlete Performance. They've since uh, renamed themselves as Exos. Um, so I did that. Um, coming out of school, uh, I had a lot of really great experiences. Uh, later in my professional career, um, I had the opportunity to work with a fair amount of international athletes. So I was able to check off the box in terms of the Olympics. Um, I was fortunate to have a client uh, won the Olympic past games in Tokyo, which was a you know pretty exciting experience. Um, along with that, I've always been fascinated with biochemistry. Um, I have glasses mm -hmm. on. I kind of feel that stereotypical egghead nurse look <laughs> um, with everything. Uh, I always tell people I'm one one part meathead, one part uh, biochemistry nerd, which you know gets me excited about supplements. Um, yeah, in 2014, um, co-launched my first nutritional supplement company. Fast forward a little bit. I ended up then uh, I'm joining up with uh, Hometown Pharmacy in Wisconsin, which is a group of 70 independent pharmacies, um, really focused on proactive health care. Um, and similar to how I kind of went through that transition of like, hey, the best way to rehab an injury is to prevent that injury from ever happening. Similarly, in the pharmaceutical world, their whole goal is, which, you know, I, I love is our whole goal as a pharmacy to get people off of medications or to prevent them from ever needing them in the first place. So what what is your current role with Hometown? My current role with Hometown, uh, I head up the science team with Hometown Pharmacy. Um, so we do a lot of evaluating of any sort of nutritional supplements, uh, uh, nutraceuticals that are coming into our uh, uh, pharmacy group. Uh, and then the other mm -hmm. thing I also do too, is I still do a lot of, you know, formulations, um, with nutritional supplements. Um, you know, I love creating new things on the fly. That's kind of my, uh, the jet fuel in my veins for lack of better words, just creating things <laughs> from scratch. Um, I yeah. really love that aspect. Uh, you know, for instance, this morning I was testing out uh, various combinations on nootropics, looking at 
how you can combine different amino acids with things like uh, caffeine to get, you know, a higher level of synergy. So stay tuned. That might be coming out in uh, early 2024. So there's, there's always about 10 uh, things on the fire plate spinning. So for the purposes of this episode, like right now, are you like seeing sounds and hearing colors because of your testing from this morning? You know, I, I think it's really quite in realize you had a pet dragon over your left hand shoulder. Um, that's, <laughs> I don't know what kind of side effect I'm going through, but I feel like I'm ESP in with you right now, Corey. That's how good these are working for me. It is, it is not uncommon for, for me to go to Sean's house and he'll just like put this, he'll put like a powder in front of me and a spoon and be like, here, take this. <laughs> I always joke around it. I hope that like the, the SWAT team never like randomly raised my house because it's going to look really suspicious because I have a lot of white powders all <laughs> over the place. Oh, I love it. So I also want to highlight, so you are a dietitian, right? Like, Correct. So you, I am a registered dietitian. Just get the degree, went the full, the full route, became an RD. Um, so yeah, you've got this really cool background. That's a blend of sports performance, nutrition and dietetics. You've kind of always done both. As long as I've known you, you've always done both. You're, you're the training people in person or training people virtually. And you're also doing the same with regards to helping people with their nutrition and their diet. So but then also, like like you mentioned, you have now the supplement side of things. You've seen, you've been the supplement, supplement formulator. You've seen uh, really every single step of the way of how that works, which is a really, uh, I think, a really unique base of knowledge. And so I think that also will help us with regards to what the topic is today. So today we're going to talk about meeting your nutrient needs. First of all, are we, are as a society, and this is particularly you know, referencing American society, are we as a society meeting those needs? And then if we're not, uh, what do we need to do? And then also what are some factors that might be a, working against us from the standpoint of meeting our nutrient needs, particularly through food? So where I'd like to start, Sean, is how do we even assess our nutrient needs and how can or how do people go about trying to determine if they're meeting those needs? So this is where it gets really interesting when it comes down to how do we determine our individual needs? You know, what a lot of people are doing to uh, determine their individual needs is just by looking at the daily values on the back of food labels or supplement labels. You know, that can give a general idea. But what I always like to tell people is those daily values are made for averages. And not only averages, but in my opinion, they're really outdated. So in 2016, they, the FDA finally passed laws where at least they finally started to update them. Before 2016, where the laws actually just went in effect a couple of years ago, they were basing the daily values off of the 1968 recommendations. So although I'm glad, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that they finally, finally updated those, but it's still been a long haul. Um, the one thing to keep in mind, though, even with the, the new updated ones that are now just going into effect now based off the rule changes in 2016 is, as you know, Corey, being a man of research yourself, when things are published, you're still probably four to five years behind the research. So they were probably using data that was probably being actually completed, you know, mid, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007, you know, probably within that range um, of data. So realistically, even now, the daily values that people are seeing on food labels is about 10 years old, more than likely. What we know is there's, again, there's been a lot of research and loss. 10 years in terms of updating values, what's needed to maximize health and wellness. One thing that I always like to draw people's attention to, because this is a perfect example of even daily values being outdated. 
right now, the daily value for vitamin D is 800 IUs. So to give people a perspective, 800 IUs is like taking a bottle of water, dumping it into the ocean and expecting to see the water level rise. So yes, it's going to increase that amount, but not much at all. Right now during the winter months, you know, here in Wisconsin, we don't have much sunlight. Conservatively, you know, I feel very conservative in recommending 5,000 IUs to people. Uh, that's usually my starting place. And if you put look at it in terms of percent daily value, 5,000 IUs is 625% the daily value. Seeing that a number alone may be intimidating. And I totally get it. But like I said, that is still a pretty safe number. And this is really important. And it's kind of ironic because even if you look at vitamin D, the upper limit that the FDA sets is 4,000 IUs. So again, just really, you know, in my opinion, using outdated research to kind of make our general recommendations. Um, this is always the importance of testing levels within the body. And that's what we really love to do. And that's where we can really zero in in terms of the amount of nutrients people needs. Um, using again, going back to vitamin D as our example, we'll stick with it is According to kind of the general medical health standards, anything above a 30 is considered optimal. What we know, though, is that 30 is virtually set at the bare minimum to make sure that people don't have chronic diseases in terms of, you know, cardiovascular disease, depression, rickets. It's not really set at a level that's going to optimize um, human, you know, have us all running around thriving. Again, going back to the research, um, research that came came out during COVID, it looked like, again, 30 is what is considered optimal according to traditional method standards. During COVID, there's different papers published show, uh, that seem to indicate anything less than 40, your immune system is going to be compromised. And less than 50, you're at a significantly elevated risk for a lot of cancers. Um, the one that always pops in my mind as it relates to cancers, there was a study that came out in 2007. Um, it was a meta-analysis where they found that if your levels of vitamin D were higher than 50, you had a 50% reduced risk of breast cancer. So again, that's a big number. Breast cancer runs in my mom's side of the family. If that number was just a 5% difference, I'd be telling everyone and their brother and sister about it. The fact that it's a 50%, that is a very significant difference in terms of breast cancer rates. So like I said, this is kind of tying everything together here. The, the gold standard is always is going to be blood work. There we can get really specific. The daily values, they can start to point you in the right direction, but it's important to realize, again, those daily values are based off of outdated. A lot of them are based off of outdated science with things. You know, again, a good starting place. I, th I think what this underscores is, you know, working with individuals who are really well-versed in the science that are professionals on this. Uh, again, I'm a dietitian. I'm always going to go with the food-first approach, but I know when it comes to vitamin D, again, we'll stick with our vitamin D example. That's really hard to get from food unless somebody is eating roughly about seven cups of white mushrooms a day or drinking two and a half gallons of milk a day, which I, I'm from Wisconsin, the dairy state, so we always support our farmers, but we know that can be really, really challenging for food alone. And so that's where the supplementation comes into play. And how, you know, different gaps and nutrients from food, um, pull into supplements, how those daily values can help direct you. But again, they're not the end all be all. Yeah, absolutely. In your history of working with athletes and seeing diets and evaluating diets, mm -hmm. think of like the athlete that had one of the most, the best diets you've ever seen, where you looked at the diet and like, oh man, this is awesome. You're just seemingly doing everything right. Mm-hmm. In your estimation, 
would that person be meeting their nutrient needs through food? Uh, taking everything into consideration, uh, usually you're not going to be able to do it through food alone. Even if they're getting like the recommended, what is it like five to 10 servings a day of fruits and vegetables? Um, you know, again, think about like the perfect scenario mm -hmm. or perfect client where you literally have nothing to nitpick. <laughs> um, <laughs> would you feel comfortable saying like even that person is meeting their nutrient needs and, and does not need to be looking into gaps in their nutrition? I would say, say even at that level, um, mm -hmm. it's very, very challenging. And mm -hmm. the reason I say that is there's certain nutrients are just impossible to get from food alone. Mm -hmm. um, with everything, you know, a, a perfect example of kind of keeping with our vitamin D theme is yeah. vitamin D in itself. That is a nutrient that from natural food supply is really, really low. Um, you know, some of your highest sources of vitamin D would be like fortified milk. Um, you get a little bit in, you know, white mushrooms, but the amount of those that you'd have to eat to meet your needs are like 13 cups of white mushrooms a day or, you know, three gallons of milk a day, um, with everything. Uh, another example would be like omega-3s. Omega-3s are extremely important um, for athletes, uh, for exercising individuals, um, brain health, you know, just down the line. Unless somebody is eating like anchovy pizza, you know, four nights a week, um, you know, again, perfect world if they're eating four nights a week, potentially. But again, that's a really challenging yeah. one. So, yeah, very yeah. rarely that anyone's actually getting that through food. Yeah. And see, that's where I think sometimes from... The world of dietetics you know i understand the food first approach like obviously from a from the standpoint of where's your mindset at with regards okay. to nutrition like yes we we would love to take a food first approach but i'm even thinking about you know, my diet or just the diet of people who are really dialed in with their nutrition and they really pay attention to it i know for a fact that i'm not getting all the nutrients I need through food as it's, it's just really hard, you know, with the pace of life and how it can be sometimes. Oh, no. Um, it, and kind of building off that point, you know, I, I find that unfortunately people think it has to be one or the other, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, we can get everything we need from food alone. Or it's like the flip side of thing. Like, oh, if, if we just take a bunch of supplements, we'll be fine. Um, rather than kind of meeting that happy medium. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. It's really a combination mm -hmm. of both. And the other For thing sure. that I don't think, you know, going back to even the food approach. So let's say if on a very hypothetical level, you have, okay, if we added up every single nutrient in your diet on a food analysis and it spits out, okay, you have X amount of vitamin D in there, or you have X amount of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think we can often be missed, and I see this all the time working as a dietitian um, with clients, is how actually pairing a food affects how your body can absorb nutrients. Right. I mean, that's getting into some digestion and absorption stuff, which is also really fascinating because you are not what you eat. You are what you digest and absorb. So yeah. just because, yes, your diet log might suggest that you consumed however many IUs or however many milligrams or micrograms of a nutrient. Again, if we don't test, we don't really know if that's getting digested and absorbed into your body. Um, mm -hmm. That's a really good like segue into the meat of what I want to talk about with this episode is you know, what are some factors that impact our actual nutrient intake? So like, even if someone is again, eating that perfect diet, if they're really doing a great job, we know that there's, there are some 
factors at play that will impact the amount of nutrients we get from that food or also that might impact our nutrient status just naturally, okay, mm-hmm. in our body. What are some of those factors? Let's dive into this. The, the, the first one that well, kind of pops in my mind is, again, the pairing of foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically having, you know, your vitamins and different antioxidants paired with the dietary fat. Um, so again, there's been research showing that vitamin D level. So vitamin D is a fat soluble hormone. Um, we, there's been research showing that if you have it with dietary fat, it actually increases the absorption of it. Uh-huh. Another one I think is really uh, important as it relates to health and wellness is dietary carotenoids. So carotenoids are a type of antioxidant. Um, I always think of antioxidants, kind of the easy way to think about antioxidants is they're kind of like the firefighters of your body. They help to control uh-huh. inflammation. Um, they're also kind of like the first line defenders of your cells, protecting your cells from any sort of pollutants, um, inflammation, viruses, you know, anything coming its way. So using uh, that as an example, there's a class of them called carotenoids. Um, if anyone's ever heard of like beta carotene, lutein, uh, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, you know, there's a fair amount of those. Sure. We know that. If you're not taking those with dietary fat, your body's ability to absorb them goes down pretty big. Hmm. Uh, There's actually an interesting study. It was in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition back in 2015, where they were looking at the impact of having eggs with a salad in terms of how much does it actually change how your body absorbs these antioxidant products. Um, So it was a pretty cool study. They had one group that just had control. They just had salad. Uh, The other group had salad with, you know, one egg. Uh, or one and a half eggs. The other um, group had three eggs with it. And what they found was having three eggs, so that's roughly, you know, 15 to 18 grams of fat, it improved antioxidant absorption of the carotenoids by ninefold. So, you know, over no no eggs at all. Yeah, versus no eggs at all. Okay. Um, you know, similarly, even like the low um, eggs, which is like an egg and a half. So think about like a cob salad, you know, something like that. Yep. Um, where you have eggs along with the, mm-hmm. the salad greens. Just having one and a half eggs uh, increased it by uh, threefold. Um, and hmm. so that's that's pretty interesting. So it's not like, hey, it's increasing it by 5%, 10%. Yeah. We're talking it's increasing the absorption by 300 to 900%. That's a big delta hmm. in terms of change of absorption. Yeah. And, and so that's really interesting because the question I always have had with things like <clears throat> fat soluble vitamins and pairing with fat, because, you know, that is one of the first things you learn as if you're going through school of nutrition is that those need to be paired, but like amounts are never mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And so I remember uh, when I was in grad school, we were talking about this and I raised my hand, I asked my professor, so what about skim milk? Like, all right, we've got vitamins a and d added to this fat fat free um food yeah are they getting absorbed and his answer at the time was oh there's like enough basically trace amounts of it that they're still absorbed but i mean would you would you say that's the case i would say based on what i've seen on the research i don't think you're going to have much absorption of that yeah, And in the mm-hmm. study that I can kind of share with you to kind of reinforce this was there's been studies, you know, again, looking at the use, I'm going to use uh salad as an example, but they basically had a fat free dressing mm-hmm. versus like say a full fat dressing and like yeah. the absorption was like, again, crazy huh. bold difference uh, for these nutrients. You know, I, I know there was one study, I think it was with 
um, don't quote me on this, but I think it was made with soybean oil where it showed mm-hmm. like just looking at vitamin D levels um, with having 15 grams of fat. So again, think about like a tablespoon of, um, you know, oil, whatever, you know, had a very positive effect on the absorption of vitamin D into the system. Is there anything like that in terms for our water-soluble vitamins? Anything similar as far as what something through our food or anything like that that impacts water-soluble vitamin absorption? I haven't seen anything on water-soluble vitamins um, that would have me think one way or the other. Um, You know, the biggest thing that's going to affect the absorption of your water-soluble vitamins is going to, and this is actually the second big factor that affects nutrient absorption is medications. This is something I think it's like the unfortunate thing that very few people are actually familiar with, but a lot of pharmaceuticals will deplete nutrients in your body. Um, kind of the general mechanisms, you know, I go definitely kind of go more in depth, but the general mechanism is either A, prevents your body from being able to absorb them, or B, it speeds up the excretion of them. Okay. And so that's where I see the main differences as it relates to the water-soluble vitamins. Um, you know, some other things that will affect, you know, nutrient absorption, again, is the foods that you're taking them with. Um, for instance, we know that uh, phytates, different things may bind some, you know, your minerals can bind mm-hmm. the minerals so they pass right through. Or, you know, things like catechins, different things like green teas or coffee, you know, affect iron absorption. And kind of similarly, vitamin C can actually enhance iron absorption. Yeah. So that's the other thing that from a nutritional biochemistry standpoint, those keeping in mind is the complex the food is in will affect how it's absorbed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if somebody has a very specific deficiency, then I'll go more in depth than, you know, on those type yeah. of things. But usually, you know, I would say, hey, take a multivitamin with food just because generally speaking, that's going to increase absorption of these. Now, if somebody has a very specific deficiency, then I'll start diving into the weeds. The one thing I don't want to ever do as a dietitian or as, you know, healthcare practitioners make someone, you know, paralysis by analysis. Yeah, absolutely. If they're not already deficient. But now if they're deficient, that's a different story. We'll start really fine tuning. But Mm -hmm. there's, you know, I'm sure you probably see, you know, in uh, what you've done, lifestyle. Sometimes you can get so in-depth, you can kind of paralyze someone. So (laughs) that's where I always go back to, hey, what's happening at the the blood level? You know, you you measure your vitamin D levels. You measure, you know, whatever it may be, your omega-3, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Once you have those numbers, then it's easy to make adjustments up and down yeah. to make sure that we're getting the right foods in. If it has to be a specific education, be it on iron, you know, that's a very yep. common deficiency. Then we can go into the weeds more specifically. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's dive into the drugs because that I know is one thing you really wanted to talk about with this episode. So let's go over some of the main ones that are that are common and that you see and just briefly describe what's happening, like the mechanism, as far as we know, as uh, how it's either preventing the absorption or depleting the body of certain nutrients, and then just some general recommendations on what we can do about that. You know, the first one, probably the most common one that I see all the time working as a sports dietitian, um, this is specific to females, but oral contraceptives. Most people don't realize this, but oral contraceptives have a big, so this would be like your estradiols, your progestins, things of that nature. Those have a big thing on your, your B vitamins that can impact magnesium, uh, you know, iron, vitamin C, you know, across the board. And basically what happens is you can get some malabsorption with it. Um, you get increased excretion of these. And then there's even some different things from a metabolism standpoint affecting hmm. all these nutrients in the body. Uh, so what I always do, I always go with a food first approach. Um, 
you know, your B vitamins, you know, things like your animal products, you can find some of those in like eggs, uh, you can find some in beef. Uh, I always think like eggs are like a magical food, like it increases absorption of a lot of things. It provides protein, it provides, you know, vitamins, uh, antioxidants. So that's always kind of a golden one. But um, your other thing, so let's say on the B vitamin level, um, if you're, if I'm working with a like vegetarian or vegan, you know, using your nutritional um, baker's type yeast, that's a vegetarian source of, you know, your B vitamins, you know, some mm-hmm. of your, your beans have a little bit. And so again, I'm always going with that approach first, uh, pushing the whole foods, but on the same breath, I'm also going to make sure that they're taking a quality multivitamin, um, yeah. that has, you know, higher mm-hmm. doses of your B vitamins to kind of counteract that increased losses seen when you're taking those oral contraceptives. And that's almost like a triple whammy where you're preventing absorption, you're increasing excretion, and you're affecting the metabolism. Let's say it was just uh, decreasing absorption. Well, then you don't take it with food. That might help. But this is like, okay, even if you don't take it with food, it's still affecting you. Yeah. It's hitting it across the board. Um, you know, pretty, pretty good. And you think about it like, okay, how many people all of a sudden they start experiencing fatigue and you've been in the coaching world, similar to I have for a while, you know, how is it when, okay, as a coach, someone starts, you know, being more fatigued and, you know, kind of the, I'm going to, I'm going to use a very stereotypical thing like, oh, this athlete's not, not in shape. I need to run them harder. I need to do whatever. I need to do more volume, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of crazy, but you know, kind of the traditional mindset where it's like, no, they're, they're just on a medication that's depleting their body of a key nutrient. And that's where, you know, you always think about the overtraining syndrome and just how you can really run someone to the ground. If you're not familiar with Mm -hmm. this, you know, be it as a, uh, as a physical prep coach or, you know, whatever, as a personal trainer um, on that level. And that's a situation where even if they would increase their consumption of the proper foods depending on how long they've been on the, the contraceptive or whatever medication it is, um, from a buy-in standpoint, they might not really notice much of a difference because they're still deficient. Um, so we'll probably get into to this later, but it kind of does hint that maybe there are ways that you should look a little deeper um, yeah. and other things that you can do. So what are some other medications that you've seen? The other ones that I see all the time uh, is metformin. And I always find metformin are very interesting. And I think you'll see it on two different levels for listeners. One is in the anti-aging circle, your, your David Sinclair's where they're taking, you know, a bunch of different stuff. In a lot of those anti-aging circles, metformin is something that they really, really push. Um, and, and why and is that? The um, Basically, if we're going to kind of nerd out, and I should back up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'll nerd out, is, <laughs> Metformin is something that uh, improves your muscles, your fats, ability to absorb um um, glucose from the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So where it's traditional use is with, uh, say, t- a type 2 diabetic. Um, they yep. start experiencing the high blood sugars. You give them metformin, helps, you know, l- reduce blood sugar levels. Yep. Um, one of the kind of the mechanism, again, going on the nerdy levels, it works kind of on the, um, the glute 4 receptors, AMPK, where basically kind of turns your uh, muscle cells more into a sponge where they're able to soak this stuff up. So great in terms of on the blood sugar level. Like the research is really good there. Um, on the metformin standpoint, we know that as, you know, muscle cells age, they don't always work as efficiently. So I think that's where they're doing a lot on the anti-aging side. Mm-hmm. But as it relates to nut- nutrient deficiencies is anyone who's on metformin is going to develop a B12 deficiency. 
Um, and this is really okay. important because B12 huh. does, you know, everything from red blood cells for anemias to, you know, energy to, you know, uh, just across the board, it, it affects a lot yeah. of different things. Yep. And again, that usually goes into the, there are different theories in terms of how it affects it, but it looks like a lot of it's just with impaired absorption, um, potentially okay. on there um, with there. And this is really ironic. So one of the downstream effects of high blood sugars is neuropathy. So neuropathy yep. is uh, the nerve pain, the nerve tingling, the loss of feeling. Well, it's ironic because that's a very common thing in diabetics, um, but it's ironic because yep. B12 is absolutely essential for nerve generation, nerve maintenance, nerve, you know, that whole tissue cycle. Yep. So by taking this medication, although you're lowering blood sugars, you're actually mm -hmm. accelerating nerve degeneration uh, hmm. because you no longer have B12. Yeah. So that's a really critical thing. Again, whether you're working in kind of the anti-aging, you know, community who wants to make sure that they're there. Again, I don't really necessarily like it used for there. Or if, let's say if you're a personal trainer, you have clients that are on uh, diabetic yeah. medications. I yeah. think that is a big one to be aware of as well. So from a, a B12 standpoint, because we're impacting absorption here, how do you approach that deficiency? Because... The, you're you're still looking at um although it's impaired it's not like fully on there we end up going high dose uh beat both supplements um mm -hmm. which have been shown to be able to kind of overcome you know some of these potential issues um on that aspect so high b12 will still overcome that deficiency yeah even if it's there so yeah if you uh -huh. did want to do it through food i mean if you like liver if you if you're just like the the a liver king fanatic or whatever and whatnot, <laughs> and we'll go that route. I mean, more power to you, but, um, you know, that's not going to be realistic for pretty much any. Yeah. That's going to be a very, very challenging one to <laughs> overcome yeah. through. And like I said, there, there's still more research that's being done, find the exact mechanisms on the, yeah. like the B12 aspect, um, with it. But again, we find that we often have to supplement that. And if with supplementation, you can definitely drive it, you know, high, but like I said, you know, you're also using pretty high doses um, in yeah. order to accomplish that. So here's a question regarding water-soluble vitamins and high doses. So the typical, you know, thought around high-dose water-soluble vitamins is like, what's the point? Because we excrete them so readily. So if we're taking a high-dose water soluble vitamin are we just like correcting that deficiency and getting it up to the level it needs to be and then anything above that does get excreted it doesn't it doesn't have any effect or what's our understanding of something like that currently yeah so with there it's like you know with water soluble vitamins you're gonna get to a level where it it, it saturates what your body needs and then you'll just kind of pee out the remaining amount mm -hmm. on everything and that That is one of those like great questions of, you know, how much is enough? How much is there? And I always think about like, okay, if I can do something that's, you know, a dollar, you know, cost me a dollar mm -hmm. a day, you know, yeah. maybe based off what my diet is, I'm only getting 90% of what I need. Well, that just means I have a 5% difference. I always think about like, how can we optimize health? You know, not can, sure. how, how do we just maintain status quo, but how do we um, do everything we can so our body is functional at the most optimal level? And so for me, again, everyone's different, you know, there, but I'm always thinking like, hey, even if I, you know, I'm going to throw out easy numbers. Let's say I get 100 milligrams of something. Of yep. that 100 milligrams, 90 milligrams, you know, 
ends up not being needed because it's, it's going out. Well, I still have 10 milligrams that I would have never gotten if I didn't take that supplement to start with. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, again, and so that's how I usually approach it. The nice thing with a lot of your water solubles is your body just gets rid of what's the excess. You know, it's, you know, very rarely, unless, you know, something crazy happened, it's not like you're going to be running into toxicity of some right. of these water soluble vitamins. No. Um, so they're usually pretty safe in that regards. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so, so far on the drug front, we've got oral contraceptives, we've got metformin. Uh, what are some other common ones? Uh, some other common ones uh, are going to be, um, again, I'm thinking about anti-inflammatory. So you're highly active people. Um, anyone who's on yeah. um, aspirin, uh, that's going to impair like vitamin C, um, vitamin E, will deplete those from your body. And basically kind of the mechanism of that is we know that those are extremely uh, tough on like your gut lining. And so basically your body's going to have to burn through a lot more vitamin C and vitamin E in terms of just because the inflammatory cascade that happens okay. in your gut from taking yeah. those. So, and that's why if anyone's oh, on those type of things, I'm having them like, hey, let's load up on oranges. Let's load up on mm -hmm. your citruses just so you're getting that additional vitamin C. Because vitamin C is, you know, one that I think is relatively easy to get from diet. Yeah. You know, not say, I mean, obviously you can supplement in a gram dose if you want to get some, the ther some therapeutic stuff. But for this type of stuff, I just put emphasis on making sure they're getting, you know, more citrus in their diet. How about vitamin E? Any particular foods there? Um, vitamin E's, you know, different oils, you know, I was thinking about like your nuts, your seeds. I do a lot of stuff with nuts and seeds just because you're able to grab a lot of those, you know, fat solubles with them. Yeah. So that's a, again, a case where you're basically an increasing a requirement for a couple nutrients because the body's natural turnover of cells has, has increased its rate. So that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah basically. So that's super interesting. And that's not something you're going to be able to feel, right? You're not going to feel that necessarily but um because you're on this drug it's affected a uh you know this metabolic process or this, uh -huh. this biological process and um yeah I just, I just don't think a lot of people know about that yeah and like the good thing is a lot of these can be you know overcome like i said mm -hmm. with you know supplementation you know i mentioned how the uh, metformin affects b12 absorption the good thing is you can overcome these so it's not like hey completely shut the switch off they're overcome now one that switches the the nozzle, the output is statins. Mm. Um, so statins are used for cholesterol. Um, if somebody has high cholesterol, they're going to usually uh, throw them on statin or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. So you common. Know, so common. And, and especially uh, my guess is, you know, more personal trainers, if they're working with anyone, you know, older than 35, they're probably working with a lot of people on statins. Uh -huh. Um, and the, the specific pathway, I always butcher the name of this, so this might not be <laughs> pronunciation was basically the malvated pathway basically this is the pathway where cholesterol is synthesized yeah. well what happens is cholesterol kind of the enzyme at the top that starts this uh, cascade is called uh, hmg coa the statin basically shuts this off okay well this is a big pathway that gets shut off on the same yeah. pathway that makes cholesterol that also makes a vitamin K2. Vitamin K2 is really important for cardiovascular health as well mm -hmm. as bone health. Um, this pathway also produces CoQ10. Now, CoQ10 is really interesting. Uh, what happens is if we stop producing CoQ10, that means our body is no longer able to produce ample amounts of ATP. This mm -hmm. often leads to muscle pain and fatigue. So one thing that we see quite often is somebody starts on a cholesterol medication or a statin. 
Um, and just over time, they feel like, oh, I'm less energetic, whatever. They chalk it up to like, hey, I'm getting older. Like, I'm no yeah, longer absolutely. a 20-year-old. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in my 50s. This is just part of the aging process. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, this isn't part of the aging process. You've literally just, you know, um, you know, put a clearance ball on your body. Yeah, you've literally things. shut down a, you've literally shut down a supply chain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's the big thing. So CoQ10 is something that anyone who's on a statin should be taking CoQ10. Um, for me, you get, everyone has a choice on this, but I always think we're like, okay, what are things that are very, very clear evidence for that is mm-hmm. an extremely solid, you know, hmm. um, deficiency that will develop yeah. um, with, with statin use. So, and that CoQ10 is not, uh, you know, it's not super prevalent in foods, right? Oh, CoQ10 is almost impossible to get from food. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're having to eat pounds upon pounds of like, you know, um, liver, heart, um, to get well, any idea on this. So if we look at kind of the therapeutic dose that we're seeing is anywhere from 100 milligrams to 300 milligrams of CoQ10. If okay. we look at like beef liver, you're getting maybe about 40 um, milligrams per kilogram or um, 80. Oh. Um, if I just by the by two, you're going to roughly about, you know, 20 milligrams per pound of beef liver. Oh. So if we're trying to get to that therapeutic dose of 100 milligrams, you're eating about five great or five pounds of beef liver a day to get you at that level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, doing that. not doing that. But beef liver, we're, we're telling you, this stuff's, this stuff's good. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're only uh, going to do one thing, do beef um, liver, if you can stand it. <laughs> so on the vitamin K2 front, what are some foods people could focus on? Uh, vitamin K2 front, the big things um, that I'm going to be focusing on is like your natto. Some of your fermented things uh, will have that. The other things you get a little bit from um, dairy, again, not necessarily high amounts. Uh, it's hard to get from just you know, like your dark leafy greens. There's really nothing in there. So like I said, natto, as well as dairy, including some of your cheeses, mm. is where you're able to get a little bit from. So then my um, guess is for K2, supplementation might be the supplementation, run on that. Supplementation, yeah. It, that's going to be the easiest thing is uh, be a, a supplement. Um, and like I said, and while we're talking about K2, I'll just add it on this little touch with, because um, it, it really works well with uh, vitamin D. Mm. Um, I always think about things in city analogy characters. Vitamin D helps, you know, pull calcium into the body from the food that you're eating. Vitamin K2 is like that bulldozer that takes that calcium and pushes it into the bone, into your mm. bones. And yep. there's actually some recent research coming out, and this has just been within the last couple of years, looking at how does, so um, omsi-statin reduces the cholesterol, but they're looking at, okay, by taking a statin, are you actually increasing some of the calcification of arteries simply mm. because you've shut down your body's ability to naturally, you know, synthesize vitamin K2. Um, and so that's some of the newer research that's coming out. You know, there hasn't been definitive things yet where I can point to study X, Y, Z, but I know from a mechanistic standpoint, Mm -hmm. some of the pathways have been shown, you know, with studies on in vitro studies that these pathways are getting affected. Interesting. Um, okay, let's do, let's do one more and then we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here. The last one that I'll touch on is anyone who's taking like proton pump inhibitors uh, for acid reflux, mm-hmm. uh, less like, oh, I get heartburn. So they're taking Tums or they're taking, you know, a Omeprazole is a very common thing. 
that will literally make you depleted in about every nutrient possible. Um, stomach acid is absolutely essential for the absorption of your irons, your B12s, B12 in particular. Like it, you're going to start wiping out a whole lot of things if you don't have acid in your stomach. Right. I always tell people acid is kind of like the chainsaw that cuts or the scissors that cuts the vitamins and minerals off the food that you're eating. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if, if, if I wanted to very slowly t- torture someone, I'd put them on proton pump inhibitors. <laughs> like, oh, <man. laughs> um, so that's one. Well, yep. Yeah. You're Go basically, on. you're basically el- eliminating your body's first step at digestion. Digestion. Yeah. Like, okay, we, we need hydrochloric acid in the stomach. We need it to be very acidic. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're shutting down the literal thing that makes it acidic. Yeah. So the acidity is critical to not only um, killing pathogens mm-hmm. for immunity, but it's also critical for, again, starting that process of digestion so that things can be absorbed properly. Yeah. There's one I'll throw out really quick, just because I just popped my mind, because it can yep. be abused in uh, your bodybuilding circles, but your diuretics. Um, oh, yeah. So think about anyone in the bodybuilder who's trying to, dry, for lack of better words, dry themselves out. Um, mm-hmm. Who's taking things, be it, you know, thiazides, uh, furosemide, you know, those type of things, or even too in that personal training circle, that's another common one. Just realize as that's pulling water out of your body, those are usually also pulling vitamins and minerals out, specifically magnesium. This is ironic because magnesium's function is to naturally regulate blood pressure. So by taking a medication for your blood pressure, you're actually depleting your body, the one nutrient absolutely essential to naturally regulate it. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah, that'd be the other one. Um, your food sources of magnesium, pumpkin seeds, um, dark leafy greens, etc. I do want to go back to proton pump for okay, a second. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> Just no, that's okay. Mind. Okay. So if someone is experiencing herper acid reflux, you know, and they don't want to take a proton pump inhibitor, what would your recommendation be there? So t- two recommendations. One, so, um, one thing that's actually kind of fascinating. We often find that people who are having symptoms of heartburn um, mm-hmm. is not due to too much acid. It's actually due to not having enough acid to start with. Hmm. Um, you can get some okay. of those similar effects um, from it. Uh, we'll often with people who are experiencing it, um, do almost like challenges with apple cider vinegar, which has some of the acidic acid in it, or yep. with uh, betaine, HCL, hydrochloric acid, where we'll mm-hmm. slowly dose it into it. And if they're like, oh, wow, like I actually found my symptoms went down while adding acid into it. Well, that's a sign like, hey, it's not yeah. too much acid, it's due to not enough. Now, let's say being that being said, let's say if we're doing a challenge, and like, okay, that's even worse Then hey, we got to ring Yeah. We did a challenge yeah. and made it worse. So then we go into there. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that we're also looking at is what is ultimately, what is the root cause of the, the um, acid issues? Sure. Um, is it something like uh, H. pylori, um, which mm. is, can be an infection, which causes issues? Well, in that mm. case, let's address the actual H. pylori going on. Yeah. Um, the, the path, get let's out. get that out of the system. Mm-hmm. And then let's slowly, you know, wean off the, the proton pump inhibitors while slowly reintroducing acid into the stomach. Now, unfortunately, I would like to say it's like a clear, like, oh, we do this and it's a perfect thing. You know, with yeah. this, it's a challenge because everyone's going to be a little bit different. Um, and this can, it's one of those things where you can go like two steps forward or one step back. But, you know, you're, you're trying to slowly titrate off those while reintroducing that acid into the stomach. Um, the one thing I would tell anyone is don't... Uh, 
don't stop cold turkey on your proton pump inhibitors or your metrazoles or those type of things. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very bad. Making sure that you're working with a healthcare practitioner, that you're slowly titrating things around. And then, like I said, there's different uh, probiotics. Um, there's different immunoglobulins uh, that we use you know, from a supplementation standpoint to, again, pull out the actual cause. And then, mm-hmm. again, slowly reintroducing that acid in the stomach. Um, the other thing is to always think about, too, is, you know, from a lifestyle standpoint, we know that certain foods an individual will trigger the acid reflux, be it spicy foods, chocolates, you know, whatever it may be. Yep. Um, we also know that, like, hey, if we have a big meal and we, you know, close to lying down to eating, well, if we get ourselves bodies horizontal, you're going to have much a lot more acid reflux. So, again, yeah. it's a combination of lifestyle factors along with trying to address the actual root cause of why are we having that um, acid reflux to start with? That's some really good information. And again, the, the drug side of things is just not common knowledge. And um, so I think that's all really, really useful. Um, so as we finish up here, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about your work with Hometown uh, and what you guys are doing. Um, so you guys have a pretty cool service coming up. I'm not sure if it'll be live when this episode's released or not, but <laughs> it, it, it's coming up soon or it's already released by the time this episode drops. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So we're doing a lot of really cool things um, for independent pharmacies across the country. Um, we're launching obviously within hometown, but with a lot of other independents as well. Um, but it's called Willero. This is the first of um, multiple things that we're doing to kind of make safe and sustainable independent pharmacies. Now, We've, we always say that food is medicine. And now we're actually putting our money where our mouth is. Um, no pun intended on the food note with uh, money where the <laughs> mouth is. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, what's, um, the, what's the vitamin E level of money, Sean? Yes, I can't put price on money. Yeah. You know, and it's really cool. So we're actually, uh, we have our own um, Gruelera, uh, some basket. Uh, it's going to be home delivered meals. Um, the neat thing is we're using all organic produce on these. You're going to be able to get the meals specific to you. Let's say if you're on a ketogenic diet, you're on a Mediterranean mm-hmm. diet, um, you yeah. know, paleo, you know, whatever it may be. Um, we have the ability to home delivered meals featuring those. The meals will be, you can get them two different ways. Um, let's say with your spouse, you'd love to actually cook the meals yourself. Maybe that's your, yep. your, your bonding time. So in those cases, you can kind of get the ingredients, like do it yourself kit where it's like, Hey, here's all the ingredients. Here's the step-by-step process, you know, have at her. Um, yep. The other p- way we can deliver meals is already uh, what I call the heat need option, which is basically like, hey, these are all prepped. You basically have to, you know, take off a cover, throw it in, heat it, and it's good to go. Um, so that's the one thing that we're really excited about. Um, we were able to cut out a lot of the middlemen. And by cutting out the middlemen, we're actually able to do those meals cheaper than most of your other, um, you know, home delivery meal services as well. Um, so okay. like that's the like cool. so that's the first one they were excited about the Sunbasket um, Malera food option. The second aspect that I'm actually really interested in because I'm a biochemistry nerd, <laughs> really established is we actually now have the ability to do personalized vitamin and mineral supplements specific to someone's body. Uh, okay, and this this is exciting for me. So we've talked a lot about in this show of so so the question is like how do we actually personalize things you know for people? yeah absolutely. The, the first thing that we always look at is we're using a HIPAA compliant survey. So again, HIPAA compliant is 100% confidential. This survey takes into account uh, things like demographics. Am I a 15 year old, 100 pound, you know, female or am I a 250 pound, you know, farmer, mm-hmm. 62 years old? You know, 
So it can take in both age, gender, um, body weight, height levels. We know that affects nutrient needs. Takes that into account. It looks at the actual medic, uh, medical issues. So if somebody has health conditions, we know certain health conditions affect nutrient needs. Yeah, Likewise, absolutely. as we've kind of talked about in this show here today, a lot of medications greatly affect nutrient needs in your body. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, my goal with this episode is that people become familiar with the fact that, hey, medications deplete certain nutrients in our body. I realize no one, you know, to remember all these, you know, unless you're doing it for a living, it's going to be hard to do. Well, with this survey, our HIPAA compliance survey, it actually calculates, you put in what medications you're on. So it automatically will titrate the nutrient based off your medication intake. Okay. It'll cover there. Um, it'll look at like goals, like, okay, maybe in symptoms, are you highly stressed? Uh, is brain health a big thing like it has things like alpha gpc in it which we know is a really cool you know brain ingredient uh, maybe immune health is important for you so it has all these different factors that we're able to account for um, so that's one aspect we also have blood work again if we know someone's vitamin d levels we can make a very specific recommendation mm-hmm. um, kind of the general rule of thumb is if i want to raise somebody's level you know five units so let's say i want to raise their blood levels from a you know, a 55 to a 60, yep. for 1,000 IUs, you can increase your blood levels roughly on average about five points, you know, assuming okay. all things are made. So we're able to do adjustments based off, you know, um, blood levels as well. Um, in the future, we'll be able to do stuff with um, genetics. We're looking into that. We know certain gene SNPs affect, you know, nutrient metabolism. So that's going to be a down the road thing that we'll add on, you know, as we're trying to triangulate data to make it specific. The thing, the, the cool thing about it beyond just like the formulation is, do you like swallowing pills, Corey? I mean, you know, I'm weirdo, so it doesn't bother me, but I know a lot of people don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On there. So the cool Almost. thing with this is we're doing it all in powder form. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think that you have the, the diehards like yourself and me, like, hey, as yeah, long as you get down whatever. I got to swallow 20 pills a day, like whatever, I'll do it. But yeah, uh-huh. I know most people will not. Yeah, so. The cool thing with what we're doing, it's going to be all in a powder form. That way you don't have to worry about swallowing pills. You can put in your smoothie in the morning. Um, you can you can use an unflavored. So we'll actually have the flavor packet separate than the, the actual container. That way, like, hey, let's say today, here's a good example. Have you ever gotten a 10-pound bag of protein? You're like, man, that chocolate was really good for the first three weeks. It was fourth <laughs> and fifth weeks. Yeah, got a little bit old by like the right. sixth or tenth. You're like, my God, I, I'm absolutely yeah. sick of this. But I bought it and swallowed it, you know. Yeah. What we're doing is we'll have individual daily flavor packs. You can choose those flavors or you can have it unflavored. Let's say you want to throw in your mm-hmm. morning coffee. You want to, you have a favorite banana smoothie recipe. You can throw or smoothie. You can throw it in there. Or you can be like, you know what? Today yeah. I wanted to have orange dreams full. Tomorrow I want to yeah. have mango. Every day you can make a different flavor because our flavor packs are separate than the actual raw powder. Okay. So that's kind of the nice. overview nice. of what, what we're doing. Um, like I said, we try to make things, you know, through testing, we try to make things as specific as possible um, through healthcare and try and provide solutions for things that normally are really challenging for anyone. And 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 the formulations will adapt over time, right? It's not like, um, you know, your first time you do the assessment, that's your formulation forever. Like there will be adjustments over time. Is that right? Correct. Yep. You'll be able to, uh, you know, redo the... Um, the test, you know, and, and adjust those factors um, will be there, which will be neat. The other thing that's neat is that anyone who's interested, um, we're giving them like a free nutrient panel. 
Um, and what I mean by that is people who are interested were providing their nutrient panel them for free. So you can fill out all of these forms. You can, you know, insert your numbers and we'll give you your exact uh, vitamin mineral supplement with the nutrition facts panel, education on why each of these are things are important. And it's yeah. only when you are like, hey, this looks good to me. That's the only time you have to actually put money down on it. So oh. it's not one of those things where you have to pay to see what your nutrient panel is. Yeah. We, yeah. At the end of the day, we're educators. We want people to know what's important for their body and why it's important. And so you'll be able to see your exact nutrient profile um, panel. Like I said, we're, we're providing that That's free cool. for any listeners. And that way it's going to be an educational. And then yeah. if you're like, hey, this looks good. I want to do it. Or if you're like, hey, you know what? I, you know, now that you know what I want, maybe I'm just going to pick up a vitamin D because I see this is what the vitamin D needs are you know, on yeah. that aspect. So that's one of the neat things that we're doing is we want to be educators, um, yeah. providing that free nutrient panel, um, just so people can see what's important for their body and why those things are important. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you're interested in more, uh, I will obviously include links to that product in the show notes. So it may be a link to get more information or again, depending on when this drops, it may be a link to actually sign up for the service. So either way, that's in the show notes. Um, so Sean, if people want to connect with you and follow you, where's the best place they can do that? Um, best place to do there is on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at stkc34. Um, and then on Facebook, um, I'm really active on Facebook. Uh, just Sean Casey. Usually on my Instagram, I do a lot of uh, traveling international just with clients. And so that usually turns into like a scrapbook of wherever, <laughs> wherever, wherever I'm at. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, I put a lot on my Facebook. I do a fair amount with the the science and those type of things as well that I love to share. Um, just again, knowledge is power, and I love being able to help people make educated decisions. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, so much for your time, Sean. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on future episodes. Hey, thanks so much, Corey. I appreciate you and uh, everything you're doing here. Thank you for listening to the Performance Connection podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review share on social media, and on Instagram, tag at Performance Connection Podcast, all one word. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition. Thanks again, and I hope you'll keep listening or check out other episodes.